Hi guys, welcome back to Infinite Possibilities, the podcast where we explore the lives of amazing people, their choices, challenges and opportunities. And today I have a very special guest, Lily. Hey Karen, how are you? Good, thank you so much for being on the pod. Oh no, very happy to help. <laughs> awesome. So Lily, do you want to do a sort of one minute self-introduction? Cool. Uh, hi everyone, my name is Lily Wachwitz. Uh, I'm based here in the KPMG office in Brisbane with Karen, but in a different team. Ooh. I am a <laughs> consultant in the operations advisory team within management consulting. So I do that during my day and then on the side I run a not-for-profit called The Vaccine Project with some of my peers from university. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Living a bit of a double life. Double life, yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. So we want to go right from the beginning. So Lily, tell me what kind of child were you like growing up? See, I'm the oldest child. I, yeah, I've got three younger siblings, so two sisters and a brother. Um, so I definitely was the author, <laughs> you know, I was, yeah, I was the, the, yeah, exactly. I was um, the probably boss the boss <laughs> yeah, out of my siblings. Yeah. So um, very lucky to have grown up with mum and dad in St. Lucia. Yeah. Um, they have been fully supportive of everything and anything that we've ever decided to do. So uh, we all went to school together and there's a big age gap between myself and my youngest brother. There's about 10 years. Oh, I so, know. you're um, like a mama. Yeah, <laughs> big sister vibes. So we, um, yeah, we all get along really, really well, even though we're all spread out over that four year, well, the four of us over 10 years. So it's it's wonderful, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Tell me more about your last name, pretty sick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wachwitz, yeah. Wow. So it is German Polish. We still aren't 100% about exactly where it's from, but uh, yeah, it's my dad's last name, obviously, but so he has a German background. My mum has a Polish background. Her last name is Hinkfus. So I was like, well, (laughs) they wanted to hyphenate it, so I'd be Lily Hinkfus Wachwitz. And that was just too much. (laughs) Imagine writing that on all your forms and all your passport and everything. So stuck with Wachwitz, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. What has been the sort of funniest mispronunciations of Wachwitz? Oh, I get Wackowitz all the oh, time. I was going to say that one. Yeah, that's, that's the one that I get all the time. It's much more wacky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's not too bad. I mean, I've heard it all, <laughs> so yeah. it's not bad. That's cool. And then tell me more about being the oldest sibling. Yeah. So the younger ones screw up, it's your fault. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, no, no. no responsibility. So not much freedom, would you say, as a oh, kid? Oh, no, we had so much freedom. Oh, we were really lucky. Awesome. I mean, it was never a drag or anything like that. Yeah. All four of us are really, really different people. <laughs> so it has certainly been an awesome experience to watch them grow up as the oldest I get to see them do all their little bits and pieces and we've all ended up in different career paths or you know following different passions so it's it's very cool to be able to yeah watch it from as the oldest, definitely. Yeah. Oh, wow. You're ready to be a parent. Yeah. Now, right? <laughs> no way. About, like, yeah. Watching your like, kids grow yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool. And also tell me more about school. Did you enjoy school growing up? How did you sort of fit in the environment? The popular kids? Yeah. Uh, I don't know about did that. Did you just <laughs> No, I was, um, went to school uh, at Ironside State School for primary yeah. school. So. And, and I preface by saying that my parents both didn't go to uni, so they did trades. And yeah. so we grew up in St. Lucia because they said, you will go to university and you'll oh, go to UQ. Yeah. So that'll be, you know, we'll base ourselves there so it's easy for you all to go. So that's why we went to Ironside. Yeah. Um, loved primary school a lot. Oh. And I know that's a, a lot of people don't really, yeah. you know, resonate with primary school or it just seems kind of insignificant, but it was definitely an awesome way for me to make friends. I have lifelong friends from that school and many of which I was able to take through to high school. Uh, 
in high school I was head girl so uh, that was really really fun as an awesome experience in leadership but it also gave me the opportunity to kind of work with lots of different people like we would constantly communicate with girls in the junior school or girls in the senior school at different you know different levels and leadership experience so it was it was great to be able to do that I was very involved with co-curricular at school, yeah, yeah. I played. Too I played the trombone. Oh yeah, I didn't know about yeah, that. Yeah, so played the trombone. I started that when I was like nine years old and went all the way through school. And then even played when we had like college events and that kind of thing. Oh, so I'd get so get you involved. Still know how to play. I well, I haven't picked it up in a couple of years, but I mean, it we should have brought it. I should have brought a rendition. <laughs> yeah, so um, loved that. Um, it was a really, it's actually how I met my best friend. Oh. Yeah, she and I both in grade eight started in high school and kind of got bunched into the same room. Yeah. And our music teacher, Mr. K, was like, you guys will get along just fine. That's actually really <laughs> so, cute. Yep, so Ella and I have been mates ever since and that's how we got started, uh, playing the trombone. Wow, and yeah. none, of, none of you really like have a big part of trombone in your life, but each other. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it's been nice, well, you know, like all those little things in school yeah. really help to kind of build your character and then yeah. you build those friendships and the network through that. So yeah, I, I was involved, I played trombone in jazz ensembles and orchestras, wow. I sang in choirs and then I also uh, I play water polo still, so I played oh, water polo cool. all through school. I swam and I played tennis a little bit as well. Yeah, wow, yeah. a bit of everything. You know, sporty, musical well, and whatnot. Yeah, you got to give it all a go. <laughs> yeah, and tell me, why trombone? You know, when you're well, in what grade... Yeah. Like, yeah. Delicate, gentle, you know, yeah. things, the place, the blue, that, and then it's like, place the trombone. Yeah. It's like, exactly. sort of I know. sort of image. And it was terrible to carry home. It was so heavy. But yeah. when we were in grade four, we went through and did all... The you know, you go around and you do you all the, you try all the instruments and then based on what sound you make or how good you sound on it, um, the teacher then picks it for you. So the teacher picked the trombone for me, which was, <laughs> my mum wasn't that pleased. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And what, what was your reaction like? Like me, trombone? No, to be honest, I you wanted to play the tuba. I wanted to play the tuba. I wanted the biggest instrument I could get. Oh. Um, but settled with the trombone, another brass instrument, and it actually was awesome. I loved it. Because yeah. I, I never really properly learned how to read music, but it was yeah. more just learning how to actu actually play the instrument was awesome for me. I loved it. Yeah, that's good. awesome. Also, tell me more about going to a private girls' school. Yeah. A drama. <laughs> so you went Ironside is like pretty mixed, right? Girls and guys. Yeah. And, and then, then to an all girls' school. Yeah. Uh, it was really fun. I loved it. I mean, I. I, I hear a lot, you know, there's yeah, people, there's with tension, there's drama, and don't get me wrong, there was always that around, you know, where you sat in the formal yeah, and that kind yeah. of thing, and who wore what dress, yeah. so there's always that, but it's fairly superficial, and I think, for me, it was a network that was really strong, you know, very, all these wonderful independent women who just wanted to achieve so much as individuals, but also as a collective, so yeah. we, yeah, I, I had a wonderful experience at school. No yeah, problems. That's cool. Tell me more about putting your hand up for head girl. Oh, that was fun. <laughs> yeah, was that like, how did you sort of like, had you been sort of, you know, building a lot of other small leadership roles until you decided to, head girls kind of like, um, as a school captain? Yeah. Equivalent? Yeah. So uh, I guess like you, you take on little roles throughout school, you know, house group captain and yeah. sports captain, that kind of thing. Um, but I kind of put my hand up because 
I wanted to be a representative of my school and I wanted to, you know, support the other girls in my year to achieve as much as I could, but also having had siblings in the lower years, I wanted yeah. to be able to communicate with oh, them and so really, proud. well, That's it was, <laughs> it was nice to be able to resonate with their experiences as well through what I was doing. Um, we filled in a form, we got shortlisted by our peers, then we had interviews and we gave a big speech. It was kind of like yeah. you've got two hours to write a 10 minute speech and then you give the speech, you vote and then that was that. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. a really, really good year. I loved that. That's awesome. And have you always sort of been very proactive and, you know, putting yourself out there? Was there, has there ever been like a shy Lily kind of phase? No? <laughs> well, actually, I was uh, probably not shy, but I think I was really struggling maybe last year or the year before with yeah. public speaking. Oh. You know, we all do, but going from speaking to large groups to then not doing any kind of stuff like that. Yeah through uni, there's not really opportunities to speak in front of large crowds. That really made me very shy. So with my previous job, you know, any time that we had to give a client presentation, oh, I would stutter. Yeah. It was really not fun. So I actually started doing Toastmasters, yeah. if you've heard of it. Yeah, I've so, heard yeah, of it. So yeah, public speaking uh, classes, and that's been really wonderful. So that's kind of built my confidence back up. Um, so not really shy as a person, but yeah. certainly I would get anxious about certain things like public speaking. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, any sort of tips? How did sort of Toastmasters kind of boost that confidence? Is it's, it just more the practice? Yeah, or? practice, practice, practice. And I think the best thing about the format that they have in Toastmasters is that you are constantly providing feedback to others and they're giving it to you. Yeah. So whether that be in the form of a written evaluation or just through a chat later on with a mentor, um, it was an awesome way to kind of really build that practice back up and those skills by also just watching other people. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's mm. awesome. Now back to high school. So in terms of like careers at the time, what were you what was what were you thinking about if you were thinking about anything? See, I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea what I was gonna do. Like I said, both my parents did yeah. trade, so yeah. and I didn't really see myself doing that or what they'd done, so I was I felt like I was a little bit in the lurch. Yeah. <laughs> I did Maths, I did physics, economics, and drama of wow. all things. So <laughs> I, I, yeah, just picked some stuff that I liked and picked some stuff that I thought was a bit of a challenge and just tried as much as I could. Uh, having left school, I kind of decided that economics was probably going to be my passion um, based on the subjects that I'd done. So I picked commerce and I picked arts as my uh, degrees yeah. for uni and kind of went in there with a very open mind, not really knowing what I was going to be pursuing as a career beyond then. Yeah. Um, I think that journey has, it, it mainly started at uni. And I tell this story because it's a really silly one and it's quite fun, but I worked in cafes for the whole five and a half years that I was studying. Oh. And that was my networking. That was my, you know, cocktail, you know, they have all those cocktail parties and you get to talk yeah. to lots of different people. I didn't really do a lot of that. I went along and just spoke to customers at the cafes that I worked at. So I would ask them what they do, if it interests me, I'd offer to buy them a coffee and sit down with them and oh. just have a general chat. And it just so happened one time, um, my dad and his cycling buddies came along to the cafe <laughs> that I was working at. And Graham Matthew, who is a partner 
in one of the teams here at KPMG yeah. was said, you know, you should really come and speak to David Ibbles. He's a wonderful oh, mentor. That's so awesome. And I went, okay. So that was my very first understanding of what consulting was or, or any interaction that I'd had with business whatsoever. Yeah. That was the very first interaction that I had. So sat down with Dibs. Yeah. Um, he introduced me to consulting and it was a great way to kind of build my connections was through my first vacation program here. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, I would speak to people in tech. I would speak to people in recruitment and in finance and just try and pick their brain because that's really how I developed an understanding of what I wanted to do. It was more, you know, what it was a, a ticking off the things that I don't want to do because, uh, you know, it's yeah. so difficult to kind of pull down and, and Narrow create a niche and, yeah, yeah, exactly, try and understand what you want to study or what you want to pursue as a career. Yeah, that's awesome. Didn't know about that first interaction with Dibs. Yeah. Like that. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. how it happens. Spotted talent from a yeah. <laughs> young age. Yeah, how old were you at that time? That's pretty brave of you to just... Oh, yeah. So from the age of 18, I was doing that. But yeah. by the time I made it to KPMG as a vacation, I think I was 20. Yeah, so that was... Young. Yeah, I was in my third year of uni um, and pretty fortunate that I could do a vacation program even before I was a penultimate student. Yeah. yeah. So it made a really big difference in the way that I was able to better understand what I'd want to do as a career. Yeah, wow, that's awesome. And where did you get the idea to just, you know, chat to customers about what they do? Like, no, that's not what they write in the yeah, bell career. Exactly. No, no, they never encouraged that. And <laughs> and to be honest, I think why I decided to do that was because it was a point of difference. You know, how many baristas are going to walk up to yeah. you and ask you what you do and tell you yeah. that you study commerce and you want to pursue an information systems background yeah. or and, and that kind of thing I think really took a lot of people aback yeah. and um, it certainly was an Element awesome surprise. Well yeah I think it was also a really opportunistic way to meet people. It was yeah. casual as well yeah. and it made me feel quite comfortable and I hoped that in those scenarios it would do the same for them. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, a barista that talks to you. Yeah. <laughs> Waiting to let you one of those. <laughs> <laughs> Need one of them. So it's actually been really funny because I've bumped into customers yeah. in this building. I go, you've got kids at that school oh. that I, you know, near to, you've been to that cafe. Yeah. They go, yeah, who are you? Oh. And so it's, yeah, it's cool. I get to make connections through that still, which is awesome. Yeah. And does like, you know, the idea of talking to strangers has, does that terrify you? Not really. Have Not you? really at all. I've just always been you know you get some awkward conversations don't get yeah. me wrong and it What's can the weirdest conversation I guess the weirdest would be well it's I guess not necessarily weird but it's <laughs> it's quite interesting I don't know you'd be the same if someone approaches you and asks you about your career or yeah. wants to learn a little bit more about what you do you're gonna open up and help them yeah. so it was those conversations where people weren't interested that really kind of shook me at times and yeah. I kind of withdrew for, for a little bit and didn't approach those conversations as much when those situations occurred. But in most cases, yeah, I didn't really have any problems. And I think there was never a weird conversation, oh, which was lucky. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Wow, good yeah. on you. Like, yeah, I never expected that. Yeah, <laughs> just a bit different. I thought, may as well, give it a go. Yeah, and if I would imagine you at the cafe, is it like, Every second day you'd strike up a conversation or what's the sort of frequency I like? think it, it was never that frequent. It was more, you know, once a fortnight, once every three, four weeks. Um, if someone approached me or I 
you know, and saying, oh, I'm really busy at work or that kind of thing. Yeah. If they're looking for that interaction in the first place, it always really helps. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you hear on the grapevine what people do and you're like, I'm going to have a chat with them. Yeah. <laughs> so um, makes a difference, definitely. Yeah. And then in terms of careers, what was the, like, the first one that you were sort of interested in? in? Was it consulting when you were at uni? Yeah. So I think I, when I first started at uni, I didn't have any anticipation as, or, 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 you know, idea as to what the big four even was, yeah. if I'm being honest. I agree um, And, and <laughs> it, it only kind of came about in my second year and people going, I'm going to try and get an internship at the big four. Yeah. And self-conscious me, I was like, there's no way. I would never get into big four. So I started applying for all these smaller firms. I started in recruitment and just kind of got a better understanding of what that industry was like. But it was so useful because I kind of better understood what an employer is looking for what a resume should look like, yeah. you know, how you should act in an interview to get certain, you know, talking points across. So it was a really wonderful experience for me personally. I knew that it wasn't going to be the career that I pursued, oh. but it was a great way to kind of better understand what an, what an employer is looking for. So that was a really good start. But yeah, since then, it's basically been consulting. I did an internship with the Queensland Investment Corporation. Yeah. Uh, I was in their technology team and working on their business systems processes, building a ways of working documentation um, to kind of better understand their current ways of working as they were moving into a new software program. So that was really awesome to mm -hmm. kind of understand better what that area of interest was and I certainly would pursue that in the future I think oh. but yeah consulting has my eye for now <laughs> yeah that's cool and then you've also done like so many internships not just that one so what was sort of your kind of process for maybe standing out were you one of those people that you know there's a networking event there's one recruiter and there's like five people gathered would, would you be attending those sort of events it's so hard to sort of stand out when there's five people yeah I agree and I think those are the kind of events that you really have to be quite courageous to attend. Yeah. I would never approach, um, I, I would rather sit there and eat the food, if I'm yeah, being yeah, honest, yeah, yeah, at yeah. those uh, information nights. And all the, of those connections and networking events, it was, for me, it was more about better understanding what's out there rather than speaking to an individual in particular that I had in mind to mm. go and speak with. I, I guess for me, the better way to network and, and to build those connections was always through that casual conversation that I'd have with someone. Yeah. I was pretty fortunate, and that's how we met. We met through UQBA. Yeah, we did. Yeah, <laughs> so it was wonderful to speak with alumni from the UQ Business Association. Yeah. They helped me a lot. I mean, I was able to build a network. Keep going, always um, around this time. <laughs> always around this like, time. Yeah, you'll see in like every interview in this room. So. Everyone's doing these ones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so. Uh, what I was saying was with those conversations that you have with alumni, you can build an awesome network. Yeah. Here, even within my operations team, there's yeah. five or six alumni from UQBA. And when I, I vacationed at Deloitte, that was yeah. something that I was able to do through a, a connection that I had as well with another member of the alumni of UQBA. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a really powerful way for me to meet people and get involved in those organizations. Yeah, that's cool. And do you mind if we do a quick snapshot of all the internships you've done? Because like, if the audience hears about it, we're like, <laughs> like Lily can no, maybe yeah. you can do half of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. 100%. So I what mean, was your first one? Very first one was with a recruitment firm called Adeco. Mm -hmm. That was something that I just kind of 
dipped my toes into. I wasn't really 100% yeah, sure. Yeah, that's like your very first. Very, like, very, very first. Exactly. Model. So was really unsure about it, but I'm glad I did it. It was an awesome way to connect with people as well. Yeah. But then after that, I went to KPMG, did the vacation yeah. program over Christmas. So that was two months. The following year, I went to Deloitte, yeah. uh, worked with their equivalent team to the team that I work in here. I'd, oh, yeah. that's the equivalent. Yeah. So you've always sort of been, you know, hovering around ops. Yeah, always been in like the operations, supply chain space, strategy, that kind of thing, um, which I think has been really beneficial for me because it's certainly the way I want to go. Yeah. Um, I then went over to uh, QIC. Mm. So there I was doing that technology Just internship. Across Just across the road. Yeah. <laughs> so went over there and was with them for nine months. They were fantastic. Oh, that's quite a long it was, internship. It was a really long internship. And that was actually something that I was, you know, really pleased to be doing, you know, yeah. something a little bit consistent, always learning over a long period of time. Um, it was just a change from those one month to two month yeah. um, vacation roles that you normally do. Uh, from there, I went to EY. And so I was in their business transformations team, so that's more strategy-based. Um, mm. I loved that, and I actually worked for them as an undergrad for just under a year. Yeah. It was a really, really fun experience. Uh, but then graduated and came back here to KPMG. Wow, it's so funny that you came back to your very first, second year. Yeah. Uh, look, to be honest, I think there were, there were so many different factors, and everywhere I went, I enjoyed working. Yeah. But I think there was just something about KPMG that really resonated with me, whether it be the culture yeah. or the other opportunities that we get outside of just our work. So that was definitely something that brought me back. Yeah, that's cool. And how did you sort of structure, you know, being able to tick off all those internships? Usually if you take one big four, you don't get another big four internship. So how did you sort of manage to like intern for so many? <laughs> yeah, well, I that very first intern program that I did with KPMG, yeah. That I was not a penultimate student, and that's normally where you start doing yeah. all those intern programs. Did you have to apply through some other kind of system, like no, work so experience? Uh, it was uh, just those connections that I was making. Yeah. So, so oh, you don't actually, um, you just send them your CV directly, and yeah, then they figure it out. Exactly. Yeah, so it was kind of a little bit backwards, and I think uh, that's actually that happened at Deloitte as well, and it yeah. happened at QIC. Yeah. So. I mean, EY was pretty much the only one that I did the traditional yeah. pathway for. Um, and, you know, it, it just made a, it was, I guess being able to start so much earlier made the yeah. decision harder, but also easier in the sense that yeah. I got a better understanding of what most of the big four do or what other organizations do and what I want to be able to achieve and what things are going to be working well for me uh, from an organizational standpoint, but also from a work standpoint. Yeah. yeah. Wow, you're like a veteran. You uh, yeah. survived. <laughs> yeah, I've survived. <laughs> it's some, like yeah. those vacation programs can be really hard work, as you know. Yeah, like, they are. it's fun. It's yeah. really fun. But for you to do three, I was like just tired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like it's funny because you worked at a cafe throughout the whole time, no? And why did you sort of keep that role? Because you know, here you are, flash yes. consultant, like little cafe. You know. I stuck with it because I loved it, and I think that kind of resonates across everything that I do. You know, I've I continued to play my trombone and sing in choirs yeah. after I finished school because I still loved it. Yeah. Why stop something if you don't love it? I mean, yeah. why stop something if you still love it? Yeah. <laughs> Not the other way around. I still play water polo because I love it. You yeah. know, I 
held that job because I loved it. You know, I had a really great group of people around me. It gave me opportunities to meet other members of my community, to meet other members of the business world and kind of better understand yeah. the opportunities that were there. But it was a real family for me. So I oh, definitely stuck great. with that for as long as I could. Yeah, cool. And let's dive into time management. So how does oh. <laughs> one achieve so much and still be fairly happy yeah. and sane? Yeah, well, I think that, again, if I didn't like something, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. So kind of maneuvering my time around things that I loved and things that kind of gave me an outlet at times. So yeah. whether that be going to water polo training, going to choir practice, those kinds of things really helped me kind of manage my time in the sense that my stress levels were reduced yeah. and I felt like I could cope with doing more. Yeah. So I don't think there's any one or two particular tips that I can really give yeah. you. I keep a diary and, you know, I really structure time in my day to communicate with people, to do activities that I like and then work everything else around that. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. And it's fair to say you're an extrovert? Yeah, definitely an extrovert. So when you need a break, you just go, oh, I'm just going to put my hand up for choir. Yeah, that's exactly. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I'm also very adamant about getting my eight hours sleep. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's good to hear. Yeah, exactly. I might be out at a dinner with some friends and I'll go, no, nah, sorry, guys, got to go home now. Got to make sure I get my eight hours yeah, of sleep. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. And so you like pretty much throughout uni have socials every day? I guess it was it was trying to incorporate a little bit of social interaction into everything yeah. or, or, you know, every day, um, whether that be through work, whether that be through clubs and societies, whether yeah. that be through my classes. I think it was important to always make everything that I did really enjoyable because I think that's what made me feel like I could manage my time best. Yeah. And what's your sort of thoughts on enjoyment? Do you think someone can grow to love anything or do you think that you, you know, you just had that intrinsic interest or? I think you can grow to love things, but it certainly helps when you've found a niche that you like. Yeah. I mean, I did, I did martial arts. Yeah, how was that? That was so how much fun. I did martial arts for what like type? 12 years. I did Silat, it's an Indonesian martial art. What, for 12 years? Yeah, I did it for 12 years. I loved it. You, you any good? Not anymore, it's been a while. Oh, <laughs> but that was, you know, Again, something fun that I did as a kid. My dad kind of threw me into it and yeah. I didn't love it, but learnt to love it as well. So I, I do think it's possible, but it certainly helps if you've got an interest in it to begin with. Is there something that you don't like to do? My taxes. <laughs> other, than, other than that, like any kind of activity, is it like... Because it seems like you love everything and it's, it's almost like so easy, right? Because yeah. you love everything. But like if you had a few things that you hate, then like, oh. Yeah, well, it's certainly seasonal, right? Like yeah. if, if you like something for six months, do it for six months. If you want to do something for 12 years, yeah. do it for 12 years. But there are certain limitations. You've always got to be able to prioritize and think, what do I love most? Let's do that first. Yeah. What things have you had to give up on? So martial arts, had yeah. to forego that. and um, for, for water polo? <laughs> for water polo, yeah. And for a period of time, at choir as well. I couldn't do choir and I don't do trombone anymore. Yeah. Um, but in, in ways I kind of narrowed in on something like water polo. So I now play, I now coach and I used to referee as well. So mm. giving myself the opportunity to explore different things within that sport was also a really powerful way for me to kind of stay connected and be doing that one thing, but also doing lots of little things within it so that I could always be doing water polo, but maybe not always playing. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, I like sort of different angles. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Still have some other questions about martial arts. So, <laughs> yeah, did you actually, um, you've done it for 12 years, so was there any times where you actually had to use it and you're like, oh, thank you, Dad, thank you for dragging me into it? No, I, I've actually never had to use it in real life situations. Of course, it, it really builds an awareness of what's going on around you and, I, and, and for each martial art, it's totally different. But for Salat, it was all about self-defense um, and just making sure that you were always out of danger. So that was a really interesting thing to learn, I guess, as a woman. And yeah. I would always go along to training and be the only female in the team, oh uh, which was a challenge in itself because in a lot of cases, the guys will kick you harder than a, than a girl would or a guy will punch you harder than a girl will. Yeah. So it was kind of a really fun way to build some skills, but also just get beat up. I loved that. It was really yeah, fun. <laughs> that's awesome. I'm surprised that you said that, you know, the guys would actually hit you pretty hard because yep. I would imagine being the only girl, they'd see a girl and they'd be like, oh, well, and then they'd like do like a little face yeah. punch. At times they would, but then I just hit them back and they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> because, you know, I'd yeah. rather be hit at full impact. Don't don't yeah. soften it because I'm a girl. I'd hate that. That's awesome. <laughs> Bit of a tomboy side. Huh? Oh, yeah. I, I just guess it's more, you know, Treat me the way you treat someone else. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And tell me more. So, like, when did you, what age did you start, and what age did you sort of give it up? And what was training like? Was yeah. it once a week or whatnot? So I started when I was about eight years old. Oh, so yeah. Joined the kiddie class. It was really fun. Yeah. So I did it all the way through to the age of twenty. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Until KPMG. Until KPMG. No. <laughs> I, well, it was all the way over in Tarragindi, which is actually really far from my house, so yeah. I, it's a long way to go. Um, but two to three times a week. That's actually like a big commitment. It's a big commitment, and but I, I mean, I loved it. Yeah. So Monday, Wednesday nights, and then Saturday mornings, uh, we would go out there and um, it, it was in this old dingy shed because it's not a very, you know, wealthy club yeah. or sport, um, but it would get hot in summer. and. We were sweating, but it was really fun. And I guess the best thing about it was as well that every session was different. So there oh, was so many cool. different things that we were learning, you know, whether we were using weapons, whether yeah, we were using sick. a kicking bag, whether we got the combat suits on and started yeah. bashing each other, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of fun. Did you have a favorite, like, training session or, like, a favorite thing? Like, was it the weapons that you were most interested in, the kick? Um, it was mostly, so we had Ipsy, and that is oh. where you strap on the battle suits or like the big soft body suits and just went at each other. <laughs> it was really fun. <laughs> Exhausting, but really fun. Yeah, and were they, were they long sessions? Were you, would you finish up really late, like three hours, two hours? Uh, it was like two hours. So you oh, get so there solid. at seven, you get home, you know, finish at nine and then I'd have to drive another 45, you know, half an hour to 45 minutes home. So it was a late night. Yeah, and you sleep early, huh? I do sleep early. How it's, early is early? I mean, Make us proud. Right now, it's about 8.30, 9 o'clock, which I think I is pretty early. 10, I thought my 10 p.m. was... I mean, 10 p.m. seems pretty standard. And I actually, I you know, if it gets to 10 p.m., I'm going... Yeah, oh. you're already really <laughs> yeah. drowsy. 8.39. 8.39, yeah. And then what time do you wake up? Is it like 5 a.m. or something? Well, I'm trying to get up earlier. But yeah, I am normally up 5.30. Yeah. 5 36 o'clock getting ready for the day but the earlier I can get up the more I can fit into my morning and that's what yeah. I want to be able to do so that's that's the next goal that's what I'm working on <laughs> yeah would you say you're sort of a natural morning person 
I think so. I mean, uh, I say, okay. yeah, are you not? Um, I don't know. It's sort of, um, I don't know. Yeah, I think parents waking up, uh, waking you up and like sort of forcing it so you don't know <laughs> if it's nature or nurture. Yeah. What time yeah. do you get up? Uh, well, like now because we have work, so 6.30. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's, that's, an, that's a good time. <laughs> you get to sleep in on the weekends and it feels like a reward. Yeah, it <laughs> yeah. does. It does. Yeah. Yeah. So, but that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, I loved, I loved martial arts. It was always really, really fun. And I often get a call from my instructor being like, please come back. <laughs> that'd be nice. But so yeah, cute. you got to prioritize. Um, so maybe in the future, that'd be really fun to be able to go back to. Yeah, I'm surprised that you didn't just like downgrade it to like one day or something. Or is it kind of like you do three or you just... Yeah, it's like, it's like an all or nothing kind of sport. Yeah. But yeah, so maybe in the future, that'd be good. I bet there are more girls now. I hope so. I really, <laughs> really hope so. I mean, there were a lot of girls doing it when we went through as kids. And I keep in touch with a lot of them. And often I'll say, come on, <laughs> come back. We should go and yeah. train together. But um, no, not at the moment. I think it's still very male dominated specifically within my club definitely yeah that's cool and then tell me more about uni so what did you end up majoring in and how did you figure out what major you wanted to do so I studied commerce and arts in my arts degree I started in mathematics oh so cool yeah I, I loved it failed one of my math subjects and <laughs> went oh my gosh I can never do this again oh and, and I got so scared about not being able to do uni and not being able to yeah. pass and yeah. finish and all of that. So I went back, finished that subject and decided I should probably reassess, then went into economics, mm -hmm. which is just a continuation, I guess, of what I'd studied at school. And I loved it. That was my arts major. So I did extended economics and really tried to hone in my skills on like behavioral economics and globalization and look at those topics. I thought they were really, really interesting. But then my commerce major is information systems, which I know is yours. Yes. It was yours as well. Um, I loved that. You know, cybersecurity, data warehousing, data management. So, so interesting. And it wasn't something that I had originally intended to do. Yeah. I thought I'll probably end up doing accounting or finance and hated accounting <laughs> with a passion. It was just yeah. not for me. Works at a big form. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad I'm in the consulting side of things. Yeah. Uh, but thought finance might be it. And then, you know, dabbled in information systems when we went through and really, really liked it. So stuck with it and made some awesome connections with yeah. the teachers and the lecturers. So that was really fortunate. Loved it. And so yeah. was really pleased to finish with that major. Yeah. That's cool. And so you did two majors. Is there one that you're sort of leaning more towards that you liked more? Was it economics? I No, I think it was information systems. Oh. Definitely. Because I, I saw more of a practical application to it. Yeah, that's true. Economics is very conceptual, yeah. very broad and theoretical. And while that has been quite interesting in the broad scheme of things, I haven't actually gone back and used Nash equilibrium to determine, yeah. you know, an issue that we're having at work. Yeah. So, whereas I've used my business major to do that. So yeah. um, I think that's probably, yeah, information systems has been my favorite. Yeah, mm. that's awesome. Cool. And do you sort of have any sort of general advice for, you know, maybe some of our audience who are like starting uni soon and how to sort of make the most out of it kind of? Yeah, well, I, I guess one piece of information and advice I always give to new starters is if you don't know what you want to do, do an arts or a science degree. Start oh. there so you're in the university system and pick subjects that are broad, that are random, so that you can really give yourself an opportunity to explore all the different flavours 
of yeah. uni and subject life. That, that's kind of what I did. That's why I picked my arts degree. I studied maths, psychology, criminology and politics and just kind of went, they're all really cool and I'm glad that I did them, but I'm also glad that I did economics as well. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's it's been, it, that's definitely my piece of advice is to start broad if you're unsure and then narrow it down a little bit later on. Yeah, that's cool. And how far through the degree did you finally realise, you know, economics, information systems? Well, if I'm honest, yeah. I started in commerce arts and then I went to science and then I came back to commerce yeah. and arts. So I think it was probably maybe even my four, so I was at uni for five and a half, five and a half years. So maybe four and a half years in, maybe four years in, I kind of went, okay, this is definitely what I'm doing. I'm going to graduate with this and this yeah. is how I'm going to end up. So that was, it took me a long time to really decide. Yeah, so guys, don't worry. Don't worry, Just you'll get there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, do you sort of, um, yeah, regret it or wish there was a way that you could have, you know, fast forward and figured out what you wanted to do? In a way, no. I mean, I was pretty lucky. Were you sick of uni at that I point? was so sick of yeah. uni by the end of it, so sick. But that's the thing, you know, if I had have shortened my degree, then I wouldn't have had all yeah. the internship opportunities yeah. that I did. I wouldn't have done UQBA, I wouldn't yeah. have done all my extracurricular, or, and I wouldn't have worked at the cafe for five years, yeah. you know, it was a really, you know, in, in some ways university became secondary to everything else, and that was important because it, I was learning so much outside of uni, and yeah, yeah I guess it was, it was, by the end of it I was like, please get me out of here, but it was a great opportunity, I mean, I loved five and a half years of uni, it was yeah. perfect. That's awesome. And uni is such like a safe space to sort of grow in. You still have that uni student, you know, tag. Yep, like yes. <laughs> yeah. Tell me more about the extracurriculars. So UQ Union, when did that pop in your head? Good point. Yeah. Um, so I, I haven't mentioned that yet, but the UQ Union um, was a big part of my studies and my uni experience. I kind of helped out with the elections, you know, the student union and politics elections yeah. at the end of my first year. And in my second year, I was um, elected the environment officer. So that was really fun. It was a very small role and we had a lot of, a lot of opportunities just to speak with people around campus and kind of understand better what they want the university and the union to achieve from an environmental perspective. That was really fun. I then went and held a council position. So for the union council, I was second seat and just had an awesome experience debating things with people from different political views and different ideas about what the university should achieve. And then in my third year with the union, I was uh, vice president of campus culture with Annie Jene. Yeah. Yep. So we, uh, we were partners in crime, I guess. Yeah, and so cute. it was a really tough experience purely yeah. because with campus culture, my portfolio was events and engagement. And that meant holding events, but that was 2020. So a lot of everything that we had planned was, all our plans were ruined by COVID and we really had to shift our, I guess, objectives and try and provide services for students in a totally different way to anyone had ever done it before. So that was a real challenge, uh, but something really exciting that we loved to do. And it was a wonderful, wonderful experience to have alongside my uni studies. Yeah, that's cool. Also, tell me more about the campaigning to get that role. Yes, oh, I've heard I'm, many horror stories. Honestly, you've probably walked through campus and been like, keep your head down, yeah. don't talk to any of them. 
But I, and I totally agree with people when, when that happens and I don't bother them because that's your prerogative, so be it. But I also think that it has a really important impact on campus. You know, mm. the, the way that the union represents students is huge. And it's quite interesting because in that role, I really understood that the staff listen. Through my role, I was elected to the disciplinary board and I was elected to yeah. advisory boards. And I constantly was speaking with the deputy vice chancellor to kind of better understand how to work around COVID. And, and it was awesome in that sense, because I think in a way, students really need to be quite switched on when understanding who they're trying to elect yeah. as your representatives for the union, because you they have such an impactful say on what, I guess, the, the staff hear from students. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And how did you deal with the rejection? Like, this is different to a cafe where you probably have like a 90% yeah. rate. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, oh, to be quite honest, you, you have to have, you have to have yeah. some thick skin, but also it's yeah. a really interesting way to kind of experience the political sphere. There are mm. so many people from the LNP, from the Labor Party, from the Greens and, and from other minority parties who get involved and really push to um, affirm their agenda. And that's cool. You know, I, I think that's a, it, it's interesting. I learned a lot and um, it was certainly a, a great way to better understand politics in general. I think I learned a lot doing that. Yeah, damn, good on you. It was good. Yeah. yeah. And were there days when, you know, a lot of personal attacks, how do you sort of switch that off and I guess, let that go? Yeah. Or do you just jump into choir? And no, yeah. <laughs> a bit of that. But um, also it was just fun because you could, it, it, it's people really don't, they're not mean, you know, they'll, they'll say what they say, but not, it's never a personal attack. It's normally because of politics, yeah. you know, so uh, I took it. In my stride, I loved it because I was learning a lot. And I mean, all those awful comments that people yeah. would say and all those people that just weren't interested, it was, yeah, it was discouraging. But at times, I think it also really pushed me to work harder. So it was yeah. cool. I yeah. liked it. it. Yeah. Water off a duck's back. It never really, really hit hard. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. You're one of the stronger ones. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. And then how did you sort of come with the vaccine project? How did that sort of appear? Yeah, so vaccine project, we started in uh, December of 2020, but we kind of ideated it then. And then it came about in January of 2021. But mm. uh, myself and at the time, six other UQ students had an idea to provide preventative healthcare services to homeless people and disadvantaged people across Queensland. And since that inception in 2020-2021, we've grown a lot faster than we had anticipated and yeah. been able to support a lot more people than we'd ever hoped. So it's been a wonderful experience. Our main aim is to provide flu and COVID vaccines to people who would really rather not go to medical settings. So we provide our services as pop-up clinics yeah. in shelters, in parks and in hostels, places where you're going to find a lot of people who are experiencing disadvantage. So wow. it's, yeah, That's it's awesome. been really, really great. And how does one come up with the idea and then execute it? Was it, did you do it um, in collaboration with Ventures or? No. How did you 
it was it was it <laughs> so five of the team members so yeah. there's seven of us in the exec team so five of us myself not included are medical students Ooh, so they yeah they always had you know the, all seven of us had this kind of churn we really wanted to be able to give back to our community yeah. and it just so happened that the idea came about my friend Jeremy who's our president he yeah. was like this is a really cool concept and they're doing it in South Australia they're providing ah. free services to homeless people why don't we do it yeah. so we kind of collated the team really pushed to understand what the requirements were you know there's regulations around providing free healthcare services yeah. and that kind of thing so it's it was certainly a journey um, but it was a great concept that came out of um, just some casual conversations and a bit of online research. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm surprised that like the first thing that would pop in your head for a business idea would be a non-for-profit. Yeah. <laughs> <I> <laughs> Does mean, a business degree, yeah. works in the corporate world. Yeah, but that's I, cool. Yeah, so I, I, I ran a catering service a couple ah. of years ago, so that was something that I was really passionate about. That was my little side hustle. Yeah. Um, but. Um, with time, that was something that I loved doing, and then I decided that it wasn't really something that I loved doing anymore, so I stopped. Um, but yeah, wanted to be able to give back to the community. It was never really about profit or you know making yeah. making money at all. It was always just about giving back to the community. So as a group of seven, that's what we did. Yeah, tell yeah. me more about the catering business. When was that in your life? Uh, <laughs> so that was Pitta Patta Platters. Ooh, um, I like the name. It was fun. I had a really good time doing it. So before COVID, so I probably would have been 19 at the time. I decided to start catering. I was doing cakes, cupcakes, yeah. Were cookies. Were you making it? And then yeah, oh. so I was making and selling those things. And then I was also um, doing grazing tables and big platter boards. Um, oh. And so I would do that for corporate events and I would do that for family and friends and social events as well. So it was a, it was a bit of cash on the side. It was yeah. really fun. Um, not particularly profitable, yeah. but something that I was passionate about, so that's why I did it. Yeah, and how long did you end up doing for? It was probably about three years that I did okay, that. That's quite long. Yeah, I still mean, kept the cafe job. My gosh. I know. <laughs> well, it was great because it was, you know, it was just something different, and because I was working for myself, I could pick it up whenever I wanted. So uh -huh. it wasn't like I was working on that twenty-four-seven. It was, you know, I have these free weekends, let's see if anyone needs a cake. So I'd put an ad out and say, Oh, like yeah. ad, are we saying like Facebook ads or uh, just Facebook on your ads, Facebook? Just on my, you know, Instagrams yeah. and, and followers would say, oh, actually, yes, that would be great. And then we'd do that for them. Wow. And how do you sort of, did you have a lot of like um, industry connections for like, um, or, or did you, were you that girl that just went to Woolworths and just uh, ingredients? I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I certainly went out to wholesalers and, and yeah, would go out and, check out what I could. I did a lot of, you know, bit of research and kind of understood what best products would be good for my grazing tables or for my cakes and that kind of thing. So I uh, did a bit of that. I mean, of course, you're going to shop at Coles and Woolworths. They yeah. have the cheapest flour in all of Queensland. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, when it came to stuff like that, yeah, I'd go and go to Coles and Woolworths. But yeah, definitely built some connections with wholesalers as well. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. Sounds like you've done a bit of everything. Like. Yeah, well, I mean, dip your toes in, try it out. I mean, that's the best thing about being a uni student, but also being in your 20s is try as much as you want. If you like it, keep going. If you don't like it, you can pull up. Yeah, that's cool. And then tell me more about your current life now. What's your sort of day-to-day -day and where does sort of the vaccine project kind of find its way? Yeah, okay. So uh, 
obviously here nine well eight thirty to five. Yeah. I live in a house full of girls, so I live oh. with three of my mates. Oh. I love it. I love living in the share house. Really fun. So it's I'm never alone. I've always got someone to chat with, and that's always really important for me when I wake up in the morning. Yeah. Get on the bus, get to work, and then usually I go to training in the afternoon. So I play water polo. Yeah. Like I said, so um, training is throughout the week, and then head home and pretty much go to sleep straight away. Yeah. <laughs> so where I find a lot of my social interaction is through those extracurricular activities or through my housemates. And then on the weekends, I try and socialize where I can as well. Yeah, that's cool. And what about the vaccine project? <laughs> of course, I totally forgot. <laughs> so the vaccine project isn't a huge commitment for me. I work that's in the good. finance portfolio. Yeah. So I do all our bank reconciliations and probably only put like one to two hours a week uh, yeah, into that okay. so maybe every second Monday I'll go home and spend three or four hours working on that but it's it's certainly something that I can work around it's not necessarily always a priority as a matter of fact our executive is going on a retreat this weekend oh, yeah that's it'll be really good we're kind of going to pull back our structure and understand what we want to achieve for the next year so that's going to be really exciting yeah, that's awesome. I think that's one of the benefits of having like seven people as well. So yeah, yeah. It's good to know that you're not, you're still sleeping. Oh, yeah, still I'm sleeping. not doing it all myself, <laughs> no way. Yeah, that's cool. And then tell me more about KPMG Ops. What does that do? You know? It's awesome. I love KPMG Ops. It's been really fun. We have a great team and we certainly work across so many different industries. I have mostly worked in the health sciences and life sciences space so far. So I, my current engagement is working with a big pharma company to ensure that they can communicate and refer patients uh, through an oncology process and an oncology treatment. So that has been really purposeful. And that's the kind of work that I was really interested in doing and that's why I was super keen to join Ops. I guess we also do a lot of work in oil and gas, we do a lot of work in the energy sector. Private is, is fairly small, but we also do a lot of work in defence, but also in, um, in government work as well. Yeah. So we're doing big pieces um, with the Queensland Fire and Emergency Services and the Queensland Corrective Services at the, at the moment. So very, very interesting. We do a lot of work in supply chain. We do a lot of work in transformations, um, technical and team-based, it's it's a real mishmash of things and that's why I like it because you're never going to be doing the same thing for more than six months really. That's awesome, never yeah. get bored. No, you <laughs> never get bored, it's awesome. Yeah, one thing I did get to ask you, you had an amazing gap year experience or was it a six months? Oh, so I, it was actually three months. Oh, that's it was, shorter it than was, It was oh. really, yeah, I mean I should have extended it longer but yeah. <laughs> I did three months overseas uh, when I graduated, I just thought... Solo trip? Solo trip, yeah. I just wow, thought, 12 years of martial arts. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I did it. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, it was actually not the first time I'd travelled by myself. I did it when I was 18, which wow. was really silly because it was the middle of winter. I did not know what I was doing. Um, but it was great to be able to go back. And I did Europe for just over a month by myself. Great experience. I spent so much time in Italy. The food was amazing. Yeah. Um, but really also just took the time to reset. Yeah. You know, from going and doing all the little odd jobs through uni, uni studying and doing all that extracurricular, I just basically cut it off and said, I need three months to just do whatever I can to relax and give myself the headspace to kind of reset and get ready to be working full time. So that was an awesome 
experience. Three months obviously wasn't long enough. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to do that again sometime soon, but I'll give it a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. And what kind of holiday planner are you? Are you someone who just, you know, shoves like as much into the day as possible or were you just like, you know, one thing this week and the rest is just up for grabs? No, I was I was definitely more the latter. I yeah. would certainly try and spend as I, I tend to have it in my mind that it's better to do three or four de destinations rather than 10 destinations. Yeah. Nice. And within those three or four destinations, relax, sightsee, and just enjoy it as much as possible and immerse yourself into that as much as you can. So that's what I did. I certainly took less, less cities and spent more yeah. time in each of them. Cool, and as a big extrovert like yourself, how did you avoid not getting lonely because you've left behind all your friends yeah. and family and living in a share house with like your I know. mates. I so. know. Well, it was, it's certainly a challenge when you're traveling yeah, by yourself. Yeah. But you don't know if you can trust. Yeah. It's the, no, that you, there's an element of trust in everything that you do, especially if you're staying in hostels, which is yes. what I love doing. And that's why I just did the whole time because it gave me so many opportunities to meet cool people. There were so many Australians, <laughs> which yeah. was, you know, also of benefit if I needed to be able to call home and something was happening, yeah. you know. I always had someone around who was somewhat related to my home, I guess. Yeah. I certainly just, you know, you, you go out and have dinner with people that you've never met before and you kind of have to hope that they're you cool. Know. Yeah, or they don't leave the table and make you pay for the yeah. whole thing. <laughs> um, but I, I did not have a single problem when I was over there, wow. which was really lucky. Three months, like Three surely months. like the odds were not in your favour. I know, I know. I was just anticipating <laughs> that I would get into some trouble at some point, but yeah. didn't, which was really, really lucky. Yeah. yeah. Any dangerous situations? Um, I don't know if it's considered dangerous, but in Florence we had some sort of freak storm when I was there and we got hustled into you know whatever building was there and you just had to kind of stay there for two hours so that was a bit of a challenge yeah. but I got stuck in Zara and I just yeah. went shopping yeah. for two hours so it really wasn't that big of a deal yeah that's cool and how are you how are you so brave like you, you can just do it like you know you have an idea you just go for it well, like like everyone has that sort of like fear stopping them like yeah do you have a particular reason or like you know oh this I certainly have a lot of fear when it comes yeah. to that sort of thing, but also so many other things. It, it, yeah. It's just about putting yourself in a position where the worst that can happen is really not that bad. And for me, it was a mindset more so. It's like, if this place that I'm going to, this hostel is actually fully booked and I can't get a bed, that's all right. I'll spend the extra cash and try and find a hotel or find a local and go and stay with them. You know, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's kind of just weighing up what the risks are and just putting yourself out there so I, yeah it was really fun I, I didn't when it came to traveling there wasn't a lot of fear there as well because I have family in Europe yeah. I could go if worst comes to worst I could go to Poland and see my grandparents yeah. <laughs> yeah. so it yeah I guess it I didn't find it that scary that's awesome. Good on you. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, cool. So we're nearly at the end of the podcast. Just a few more questions. Cool. So the deep one. What do you think the meaning of life is, Lily? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, Karen. <laughs> you saw it coming. <laughs> I, oh gosh, I don't know what the meaning of life is, but I yeah. think the spice of life is variety. Yeah. Certainly. I mean, you're going to have so many opportunities across so many different things if you put yourself in the position to be doing different things. I mean, yeah. wouldn't it be better to put 
all your eggs in lots of baskets rather than just one basket. I reckon you're definitely going <laughs> to... <laughs> all good, keep talking. Eggs in, eggs in multiple baskets? Eggs in multiple baskets rather than eggs in one basket. I think yeah. that's probably the best way to sum it up. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And so if you won the lottery tomorrow, what would you do differently about your life? Oh my gosh. I probably wouldn't change a thing, if I'm honest. Oh. I'd okay. just keep doing what I'm doing. Probably give some cash to my parents. They'd yeah. love that <laughs> so they can both retire. And um, I think I would probably keep, I mean, I'd keep working. Yeah. But maybe I wouldn't stress myself out as much about yeah, work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'd say, you know what, I'm going to take unpaid leave here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go to beach. annually. Yes. <laughs> Purchase so much of that. Yeah. <laughs> so good. And the final question is, what is an ideal day in the life for you? It can be work-related, it can be non-work-related, it can be anything. Maybe this is a little bit cliche, but all I need is a book and oh. a beach umbrella yeah. with a towel, and I'm happy to sit on the beach all day. It's wow. just my favorite thing to do. So that's my ideal day, definitely. Oh, that's pretty cute. Yeah, <laughs> by myself or with people, it really doesn't matter. <laughs> wow, you're kind of like an ambivert then. I'd say so, actually. That probably makes a bit more sense. I do like my, yeah. my personal time. <laughs> it's so awesome because I see so many sort of like little contradictions. Yeah. Right? You would think that, you know, this type of person wouldn't do that. Mm. But then you've done a little bit of everything. and You've made me think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you? Are you an introvert? Um, probably more extroverted. Extroverted? I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Definitely. But, but you, you seem like you're on a whole other level. Oh, no, like, no, no, I, no, I need no. to relax, girl. Like, I need, like, my own time. Yeah. you, you, you got to bring it back. <laughs> yeah, but you live with a share house, you socialize, you know, everywhere. So Gosh. I, you're, on, you're on another I, level. Do you live in a share house? No, I don't. <gasps> you should give it a go. Oh, it's okay. fun. I'll, I'll hit you up with questions about <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> Let's end the podcast. Bye. Bye.